Good morning, everyone. Uh, really good to see you guys this morning. Uh, if, you've, if I've not had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Aaron, teaching pastor. Uh, really glad you've joined us on Vision Sunday, whether you're right here in person, uh, braving uh, our two inches of snow, or if you are online uh, joining us, uh, we're really, really glad you're with us. Uh, when you walked in, hopefully you were given one of the handouts. Uh, inside of there are this week's uh, announcements, which we call family notes. If you're online, you can access those uh, notes at uh, bit.ly slash notes rw that's b-i-t dot l-y slash notes rw uh, i trust that all of you uh or at least the large majority of you know how to read so we're not going to take time to go through that i'll allow you to go through those on your own but if you are a first-time guest on the back of that are some notes specifically for you it's a few things to let you know kind of who we are how we operate and one of the things you'll notice is we donate five dollars to compassion international on behalf of every single first-time guest Compassion has a goal of releasing children from poverty in the name of Jesus. They work through local churches all around the globe, and they provide an education, they provide some food, they provide a school uniform, some clothing. And by helping these kids and changing their lives, it is actually helping them change families, which is then changing communities, and we hope would lead to changing an entire nation. So we would love to make the difference in the life of a child by honoring your presence with us today. So if you're willing, take that connection card that's inside of that handout or send us an email to riverwood at weareriverwood.org. Simply let us know that you were here and we will get that $5 sent off on your behalf sometime this week. Uh, if you have the annual report in front of you, we're going to be looking at a, a bit of that today. Uh, so I realize some of you are not paying any attention to me because you're trying to find out what happened last year. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, one of the things, though, you might notice in those numbers is that we only had 14 family units last year let us know their presence. I realize that it is awkward to let a brand new church know, oh yeah, I was with you, because you're afraid that you're going to end up on their email list, you're going to get a bunch of stuff sent, maybe they're going to sell your information, great fundraising technique, so we don't share that. So it means we only sent $70 to Compassion last year. That was way less than we ever have. I want to see that tripled. So if you are a first-time guest, please let us know you're here today. We would love to just make that difference in the life of a child. It would be an absolute honor to get to do that. So please let us know. We promise you we're not going to spam you. We're not going to sell your information. We want to impact a kid. And thank you for doing that. Um, also... Uh, well, I talked about the annual report. Hopefully you grabbed those. If you didn't grab an, an annual report, you can grab one on your way out. If you are online, there should be a link in the notes tab so you can click on that. It is a big file, so it might take just a little while to download to your computer or your phone, but hopefully you can uh, have a chance to download that and read that uh, as well. And feel free to swing by the building anytime this week and pick one of those up. Um, all right. As part of Vision Sunday, uh, there's something going on behind the scenes. Uh, our Riverwood partners are making a very important decision. Uh, we've been talking for a while now. We presented some information at our annual meeting in December. We've been sending out some emails to our Riverwood partners. And today they are deciding whether or not we take on a loan to purchase this building. And so... Uh, Oh, this is a, a big moment for us. Uh, if you don't know what a Riverwood Partner is, uh, it's our word for member. Uh, rather than just do membership, this is people who've gone through Riverwood 101. They've heard all about who we are as a church and who we want to be. And there are people who said, yes, I want to partner up with you in achieving that mission. And so we need their input. And so today they may say, yes, we need to do this. And it brings a big change. Or they may say, nah, this doesn't seem like the right thing. And so we may sign then another uh, three-year lease. We may need to figure something else out. It's, it's a big deal. And so that's why I've asked uh, Luke Anderson, one of our elders, to come and pray over this. So Luke, would you please come and lead us in prayer?
Thank you, Aaron. Let's pray. Dear Father, uh, we just thank you that we can be here today. Thank you for the past years that you've given Riverwood. Thank you for shaping Riverwood into what it is today. Thank you for shaping your church, Lord. And Lord, we look forward to the future. We look forward how you can use Riverwood to impact our community, to impact our, our state, our nation, and impact others all around the world, Lord. Um, Lord, we just pray that you are the core of everything that we do. You are the motivation of everything that we do. So we just pray, Lord, that you speak wisdom into us and to the leaders. And, um, and we just pray for the vote, Lord, that ultimately let it be glorifying to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. And behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water. By the way, a thousand cubits is roughly 1,500 feet. And then led me through the water and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through. For the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Well, then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And everywhere the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. A fisherman will stand beside the sea, from Engedi to an Eglum. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Anyone here have a tattoo? Okay, a few hands go up. Mine should not be up. I don't. Uh, some of you, I suspect, have one, but you don't want anyone to know, so you kept your hand down. That's okay. Uh, most people, though, I meet who get a brand new tattoo, they're really excited about it. Like, they're, they're like, pulling up the sleeve, like, hey, check it out, you know, like, hey, look what I got, you know, and you ask the meaning behind it, and they're all excited. But over time, that excitement about their new tattoo fades. 
In fact, many times, they're already starting to think about the new piece of ink that they're going to get. I may not have a physical tattoo, but the passage that I just read from Ezekiel 47 has been like a tattoo on my heart for the past 20-some years. It is from where we get our name. Hopefully, you heard in there about river and trees, river wood. It's where, how we've structured our ministry. You'll hear some of that this morning. It, it is like permanent ink that God has stamped upon me. And yet, I've noticed that over the last month, years, my excitement about Ezekiel 47 hasn't been quite as white hot. It's like I haven't been as excited about my tattoo. It's just become a part of me. Well, today, we set today as Vision Sunday, the day we share our annual report and try to remind ourselves of who we are and where we're going. And so it forced me to have to go back to our key passage, back to Ezekiel 47. And as I began to read it, as I began to restudy it, I found myself getting excited once again about my tattoo, about what God has called us to. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look just a little bit at Ezekiel 47 so you can understand it in case this is new for you or if you've been with us for a while, just the refresher of who we are and, and how this passage has inspired us. Then we're going to look through Ezekiel 47 to look back upon 2021 Where did we succeed? Where did we not? How are we accomplishing the mission? And then we're going to look ahead to 2022. What is God calling us to and even look a bit beyond? My hope is that when we're done today, maybe Ezekiel 47 will be like a tattoo upon your heart as well. And just as this passage is all about this river, your life will also be all about Jesus. Ezekiel 47 begins with the end. Starting in chapter 40, Ezekiel the prophet has been getting a, a tour of a temple. It is all happening in a vision. This is the second longest vision in all of scripture. The only vision that is longer is called the book of Revelation. He's receiving a tour of a temple. There's debate about where this temple is, what this temple is. Some people think this is supposed to be the temple that was going to be rebuilt after uh, Israel came out of exile in Babylon. Some say this is the, the temple that is going to be built like in, it later, or it's the temple that's in heaven. Some people say it's just merely a metaphor. It's just for illustrative purposes. It actually refers to the church. I don't know. I have no idea exactly what this temple is. All I know is that the reading of it is boring. Like, if you are suffering from insomnia, open up to Ezekiel 40, and you'll probably be asleep by chapter 42. Like, he's just going to different wings, looking at different walls. Like, it is not nearly as exciting as, like, you know, what are those home TV shows are where they, you know, give you a tour. Like, this is just repeat after repeat after repeat. But then suddenly, the tour is about to end, and Ezekiel notices water. I am convinced that that water which flows out of the temple becomes a river and crashes into the Dead Sea. I believe that that river is a prophecy of Jesus. Why? Because everything we see that river do, Jesus fulfills. For instance, we see in verse 1 that this river, this water comes from the temple. The temple was the place of worship. It was considered the place where God brought his presence on earth. Well, we know that Jesus came from heaven, the ultimate place of worship, the ultimate place of God's presence. We then see in verse 2 that the river go by this altar, the place of sacrifice. Well, when Jesus was upon this earth, he went through the cross, the place of sacrifice for our sins. It then goes out the east side 
In Ezekiel 43, God appears into the vision and he comes through the east gate. Then he announces in chapter 44, verse 2, that because he used the east gate, the east gate is holy, so therefore no one else can use it. There's a little provision for a prince or a priest to come out and sit in a certain spot. But otherwise, it's, the east side is for God. And yet we see this river go out through the east side. Jesus is God. He's God the Son. He's divine. He's allowed to use the east. We then see this river flow down and it crashes into the Dead Sea. The English Standard Version, which I read from, uses the word the Arabah. That was the name of the, the valley. But there's this Dead Sea and the Jordan River and all these uh, tributaries pour into it, but there's no outlet. And so all of the minerals, all of the salt, anything they bring with it gets dumped there. And then when the water evaporates, you're left behind with these minerals. The Dead Sea is three to four times saltier than the Great Salt Lake that's in Utah. It is something like 25 to 30% minerals. One commentary I read said that 7 million tons of minerals are dumped into the Red Sea every day. I don't believe them. Like, I, I think that would be like a mound. I think they meant every year. But still, there is a ton of minerals. In fact, when people go there, even people who can't swim can walk in and just lay down. The minerals keep them absolutely afloat which means nothing can live in it. Fish can't breathe that kind of water. It absolutely chokes out plants. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. And yet we see this river crash into it, and now it says in verse 9, it is teeming with life, that wherever the river flows, everything will live. In fact, it goes on to say that there will be fishermen who will be all the, along the whole entire border drying their nets because there's so many fish and also different varieties of fish. Well, Jesus, Jesus himself said he came to give life and give it abundantly. And when he crashes into this world, into this sin-stained world, there nothing can truly live spiritually. He brings life. And it says in Revelation that at the throne of God, we will see every nation, tribe, tongue, like wide varieties of people, just like a wide variety of fish. So I am convinced that the river points to Jesus. Which means when Ezekiel walks through that river four times, it's significant. In fact, in verse 6, the angel looks at Ezekiel after he's walked through it four times and says, son of man, have you seen this? In other words, are you paying attention? There's something going on here. So for me, to go deeper with Jesus is the fancy Christian word, discipleship. It is to grow. So at Riverwood, what we want is we want to see people who are on the shore step in and get ankle deep, the first level that Ezekiel was at. When someone steps into the water, they're finding life in Christ. And so if you are not a follower of Jesus, whether you're here in person or you're online, we started Riverwood Church for you. And we want to invite you. We're not ashamed of this. We invite you to step in, to give your life over to Jesus. But we are also convinced that just saying some sort of prayer, saying, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. I come in, I find life. I guess I'm done. No, the current is beckoning you to come deeper. That is why we want to see you get knee deep. At Riverwood, we say that being knee-deep in the river is developing personal spiritual disciplines of, of Bible reading and prayer. It's also connecting with other believers, and not just Sunday, but things like growth groups, an accountability partner, people who will read the scriptures with you and encourage you to follow Jesus as you do the same for them. But then we also want to see you go waist-deep. When you're waist-deep in a river, you're really feeling the current. 
The way we put it at Riverwood is to be waist deep is to give your fist, your finances, your influence, your skills, and your time. Things we try to hold on to, God is wanting us to release, to give them to him and let him do with them what he wants to. So you're feeling more of the Holy Spirit working on you. But ultimately what we want is we want to see people in over their heads. Ezekiel said he couldn't cross the river. He couldn't touch bottom. You realize that when you're in a river, you can't touch bottom. The river's in control. The river can take you wherever it wants. And ultimately, that's what we want for you. We want you to give your life so much to Christ that he is sending you into your workplace, into your neighborhood, into your home, into another city, into another state, into another nation to bring this life-changing message of Jesus so that you might invite people who are on the shore to step into the life-giving rivers of Jesus and they can begin their own trip down the river. That is what Riverwood is all about. It's what we started and it's what we're going to continue We're wanting to invite the spiritually disconnected to find Jesus, to step into the river, and follow him by going deeper. We are absolutely committed to your spiritual growth. This mission that God has given us cannot be achieved by just me. It cannot be achieved by just me and and Matt, Luke, and Ed, our elders. It can't be achieved by by Bridget and Jake and our Sunday team. It's going to take all of us. This mission is so big. This is God's mission for us as a church. But now the question is, are we accomplishing it? As we look back upon 2021, did we see people going deeper in the river? And the answer is, sort of. We saw some people going deeper in 2021. As I think through where we saw it, the first thing that popped in my mind was baptisms. We saw six people baptized in 2021. That's the most we've seen in a calendar year. I am hoping and praying that this is just the beginning. Of the six people that were baptized, five were under the age of 15. The majority of them, Kids Creek kids. God is doing a tremendous work in Kids Creek. I have absolutely loved hearing from Bridget and the teachers and even parents of what is happening in your children. Your kids are asking great questions they're, they're saying some incredible things. There is a hunger for Jesus inside of our children. God is taking them deeper. Now, I know some people who push back when we allow kids to be baptized. They're saying, no, you should make them wait until they're older when they understand what they're doing. Oh, I would actually push back and say, I do think they know what they're doing. What you may not realize is that every single person who gets baptized has to sit down with me. Now, I realize I'm a really big imposing figure and I'm pretty scary, But these kids have to sit down and have a conversation with me. We do a Bible study together. We open up to Romans chapter 6. We read through it, and then I ask them questions. I don't just tell them what this is. I I make them have to answer. I need to help discern. Do they understand what they're doing? Because I don't want a kid doing this to make their mom and dad happy. I don't want them doing this because they think this is what their church wants of them. I want them doing this because they believe this is what God wants for me, and this is me putting, showing people I have put my faith in Jesus. Just as Jesus gave his life for them, they're now saying, I give my life to follow him. And they're identifying with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And I want to ascertain, do they understand? If, they, if I sense they don't understand, they're not going to get baptized. But then after we sense that they do understand, we basically tell them, all right, you want to do this, great. You now have to tell your story. We don't let them just answer a couple of yes or no questions. They have to stand up here and read to you their story of why they are being baptized, why they have put their faith in Jesus. It may only take 30 seconds, 
But I figure, hey, if Jesus could die publicly for them on a cross, they could stand up and publicly share their story of putting their faith in Jesus. If they were not willing to do that, they're not going to be baptized. That's why I say that the kids who are baptized, they're doing this because they sense God calling them to this. They want to do this. Our kids are going deep with Christ. And I think some of us, we need to follow their lead. So the six baptisms are where we see people going deeper. Another area that I've really seen people going deeper is our volunteers. This past year, we've seen just a large number of you really step in and step uh, and help out. We've seen more people up here helping. We've, we've seen more people helping back there. There's been stuff during the week and, and installing things. Uh, uh, we've had people step up and help out with our clean team. If you haven't noticed, this place is a little bigger uh, than what we've had previously. Many of you know that Lori had to step down for her health. She was an incredible leader, uh, miss her tremendously in that role. And yet several of you have stepped up like, like our clean team is now being taken care of. It's being organized by Cheryl Dura. Uh, several people stepped up and said, Hey, we'll help to help with the decorating. We just have one last area that we need to help cover. If you've noticed, we haven't had any coffee. It's because we haven't had the leadership to make it happen. We need someone to step up and say, yep, I'll be the point person. I'll help make this happen. But otherwise, we've seen a large number of people step up. You're getting waist deep. You're saying, yep, I'm going to give some time. I'm going to give some of my skills. I'm going to give some of my influence. I'm opening up my fist. You're going deeper. Another area that, that I have seen, and, and I realize most of you don't get to see it, but that is on Wednesday mornings in our elder meetings. Uh, you guys don't know how much these guys love you. And maybe you have inklings of it, but I get to watch it every Wednesday as we pray for you. I mean, we get the connection cards and we read through them and we pass them out. We, we don't get together and hang out and talk for half an hour and then go, oh, you know what? We probably should pray. Like the first thing we do is we start reading the request, passing them out, and we then sit together and we pray for you guys. We pray over you. We pray with you because these guys love you. We are in great hands. But it isn't just in the fact that I see them praying for you guys. It's what's been happening in our own study. Uh, since we began, we realized we're all new to this. This is my first time ever being a, a lead pastor for a church. It was the first time any of them had ever been an elder in a church. So we read a book on, el- uh, on elders. It was really helpful. We read another book on, on, on the gospel and, and another one on doctrine. But this year we decided not to read a book. We decided that because of some of the potential things that were coming for Riverwood, like possibly buying this building, but, you know, things that are happening, maybe we should just be consi- reconsidering what is the church? And so we've been looking at a number of passages in scripture and with each one, we're asking ourselves, all right, so who do we see the church? What is the church? What does God call the church to? And so in light of this, what should Riverwood do and what should Riverwood not do? Like, are there things we need to stop doing? Are there things we need to start doing? And I have been so impressed that these guys just basically open hand, God, teach us. They aren't bringing their biases in. They're trying to do everything they can to say, God, you lead us. This is your church. Show us what we need to do to help people go deeper in the river. And then the last area that I see are these pockets of generosity. Not only seeing you guys be generous with with your time and, and jumping in and serving, but like at Christmas in our impact gift, we only announced that thing for three weeks and yet we raised over $2,000, which equated to 40 emergency food packs. One emergency food pack was enough to feed a family of five for two weeks who were facing a natural disaster. You guys, in the grand scheme of things, we are a small church in Iowa. Like, we don't matter. No one knows who we are. And yet there are 40 families who've now been impacted because of your generosity. 
It, like, I'm just so incredibly proud of you guys for, for saying, all right, let's do this. And, and we made an impact. We made a difference. These things need celebrated. These are evidence of God at work drawing us deeper, making us more like Jesus, to live like Jesus lived and to love like Jesus loved. But I don't want us to make the mistake of only looking at the positives and not seeing that there are some areas that we were a bit deficient in, some areas we need to grow in if we're going to continue to help people go deeper with him. Uh, many years ago, uh, I was um, where the church I was on staff at, I was in the office of my executive pastor, and uh, our church was getting ready to do an annual report. And so we were talking about it, and Kim being Kim, he had looked up several churches' annual reports. And he'd come across one from this up-and-coming church. I mean, they were just growing like crazy. They, they were in the news all around the nation. So he went and looked at their annual report and was showing it to me. This thing was slick. I mean, it was impressive. Incredible photographs, great layout. The, the copy was good. I mean, their charts were impressive. I mean, any Fortune 500 company would be honored to have this as like their annual report. And this is coming from a church. And yet, while I'm sitting there just incredibly impressed... I can tell Kim is really, really bothered. He, he's upset by this annual report. And he's not the jealous type. I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And he pointed and says, look at this. Well, I looked, and here's this really incredible chart. It was on baptisms, and everything is up and to the right. I'm thinking, like, why does that bother you? Like, that's a good thing. This should be celebrated. And he says, no, Aaron, look. There's a little asterisk. Took you down, and in fine print, it said, numbers are cumulative. In other words, and I, I can't remember what year this was, but let's just say that in 2007, this church had seen 100 baptisms. But the next year, 2008, they only saw 30 baptisms. What they did was they added those 30 on top of the 100, so it looked like they'd had 130, so that everything continued to go up and to the right. See, Americans love up and to the right. Whether it's a company's revenue, uh, album sales, a movie, we're always trying to catch the wave of up and to the right. And as soon as something begins to fail, it starts going down to the right. We kind of back off, we pull out, and let's go catch the next wave. And so thus, a mega church gives into the pressure to make it look like everything is going up and to the right so that people will feel like God is still at work here because they'd hate for anyone to think, oh man, there were only 30 baptisms this year? Man, God must not be here any longer. We need to go find the next cool church and be involved with there. Well, I can't do it. Like, I, I just can't make myself manipulate the numbers. It wasn't a lie, but it also wasn't the full truth. And I feel to not give you the full truth actually is not fair to you. I, I need you to see because I think that God might be trying to say some things to us. Some of you know that uh, last year uh, I kind of went through some really minor medical stuff. Uh, some headaches, a lot of uh, stomach pain, bowel issues. It turned out I gluten, uh, have a gluten sensitivity. I've uh, been on this long journey, and I'm feeling the best I, I have since making all these changes, cutting out gluten and corn from my diet. I hate it, by the way. You, most of you have heard me complain about this, but it's the journey I've been on. But if you'd asked me a year ago when all of this was going on, hey, Aaron, are you healthy? I would have said yes. I mean, I was working out. I wasn't eating junk food all the time. I'm getting decent amounts of sleep. Like, I was taking care of myself. I was healthy. 
And yet, there were things going on that weren't. And I ignored it for months, thinking it would just get better all by itself. And finally, when it didn't, it was like, okay, I need some help. And it, once I began to expose it and get some professional help, then things began to change. I don't want us to fool ourselves into thinking, well, we're healthy. We are healthy, you guys. We are a healthy church. I'm not worried. However, if we ignore some areas maybe where we're not healthy, where there's a few pain points, we can't make course corrections and do what God's called us to do. We have an important mission of helping people go deeper, and that includes you. And so we can't just fool ourselves, have a positive picture, make it look up and to the right. We've got to stop and say, okay, where did we have some things go down to the right? So if you have the annual report, you probably the first thing your eye went to right in the middle section of the 2021 numbers is that we saw a decrease in our Sunday attendance. That's the first thing people want to know about a church. When I'm out in the community or I'm at a meeting with a group of pastors, inevitably someone asks me, so Aaron, what's your church running these days? I know pastors who, when they're asked a question like that, they speak what is nicknamed evangelistically. Basically, they run about 80 people, so they tell them, oh man, we're running 100. You know, oh, running 250? Man, we're about to break the 300 barrier. Never mind that they've actually been decreasing, you know, but they, they got to tell you, because we believe that bigger is better. I want you to know that that number does not bother me nearly as much as some other numbers. Now, it bothers me a little bit because it means that there's some people who've been a part of us who are no longer here. And I love them. I miss them. I want to be a part of their life and help them go deeper in the river. But for whatever reason, because of COVID or, or schedule or, or things, they're not here some of them just not here right now for a time. Some it's because they moved away. But it means we've seen a decrease. And we haven't seen the influx of people that I think we maybe thought would come with having a new building. By the way, what we're facing is not unique to us. Yes, there are churches that have grown through 2020 and 2021. But there are a lot that have not. We are not unique and special in this. We are facing what so many other churches have faced. But so many churches, when they see a downtick in the attendance numbers, they think it means that they're failing. I want you to know that that number does not bother me. If we added 100 people here, and yet none of them were giving their lives to Jesus, they weren't seeking to go deeper, they're just basically playing church, it would drive me nuts, and I'd probably resign. I am far more concerned with your spiritual growth. Please give me 80 people who are sold out for Jesus any day over 300 who are just going through the motions. So that number does not bother me nearly as much as some other numbers. The number that bothers me way more than the decrease in attendance is what's happening with our growth groups. We want to see you become self-feeders and we want to see you be in relationship with one another. If all we do is connect here on Sundays, we're not going to be the church God calls us to be, and we're not going to be prepared to help disciple others. When Jesus left this earth, he doesn't just want us to live like him and to love like him. He also wants us to leave behind what he left behind. What did he leave behind? His followers. So when your life is done, will there be other followers of Jesus because of the way you lived, of the way you talked? That's what we want for you. I believe you're not going to have any greater joy than watching someone put their faith in Jesus and being used by him to help them. 
But right now, the pandemic is causing so many of us to pull back. And you know why? Let me finish the sentence. Do you know why I know this? Because I feel it. There's a part of me that just wants to check out and be watching Netflix all day. Anyone there with me? And yet this mission is so important. But one of our growth groups, it couldn't get traction this fall. It just, it faltered. We've got another one that is struggling to keep going. It may end. That means we've gone from four down to two. And yet we've put everything into the growth group basket. This is one of our key areas to try to help people go deep. Because we know that your spiritual growth won't happen in isolation. It's going to happen in relationship with others. Now, some of you, you may be in groups that I don't know about. And if so, great. It's never been just about our growth groups. Some of you, you may be meeting weekly with someone where you're in the scriptures and you're praying. Fantastic. Please let me know. Send me an email. Aaron, just want you to know, I'm meeting with a guy every week for coffee. We're we're studying through the book of Acts right now. and, And yeah. Oh, thank you. I need to see evidence that we are continuing to go deep with Jesus. Because right now what I feel is, because I feel it in my own heart, is we're kind of pulling back. And my senses were just beginning to play church. But you see, if we get about the river, if we go deeper ourselves, I think we'll see our growth groups be healthy. I think we'll see Sundays be what God is calling them to be. But it starts with us really pursuing him. Last area that I need to point out is that for the first time ever, Riverwood uh, did not make budget. I just praised you guys for your generosity, and I have seen incredible generosity. Uh, We've seen it in the past, and I know we'll see in the future. But we need to at least acknowledge that we did not give enough to cover budget. Now, we kept our spending down. Right? We didn't even spend up to budget. And so when you look at the numbers, you see we still have money in the bank. We're not closing anytime soon. But if we just ignore this and pretend like, well, yeah, everything's going to be fine. Other people will do it. We're going to have a problem. When we signed the three-year lease, our Riverwood partners voted unanimously to do it. But a yes vote wasn't just, oh, yeah, I think we should sign a lease. A yes vote was to say, I'm going to increase my giving $15 per week. Now, I'm a Riverwood uh, partner. My wife is a Riverwood partner. But when we calculated those numbers out, we counted as one. All right? So couples or singles. If every single one of our partners increased our giving $15 per week, we'd have no problem making budget. And when our finance team puts together the budget, they try to keep it slim. Right? They try to make it where it's comfortable enough that we can actually do ministry, but yet, it's not just being wasteful. We're, we're trying to be really good stewards of what God has given us. Deep on our heart is we want to give. We want to increase giving. So we're trying to do what we can to give and keep other things less. But we're not there. This year, we fell woefully short. We would have fallen short the year before, but thanks to Trump and Biden and the PPP program, we actually had that to help cover. And we ended up at a $220 uh, over budget giving. Like, we made it. But we didn't see that here. Now, we've had some Riverwood partners move. They've they've left town. They weren't mad at us. Jobs and and, and adult children and stuff, but they've moved. We've also seen just a couple, just they're not here anymore. 
many of you, you increased your giving. But the truth that we didn't mean it means some of us didn't. Now, I don't want you to think I'm trying to arm twist you. I'm trying to guilt you. I'm trying to heap shame upon you. Opposite. I have no clue if you didn't increase your giving or not. I have no idea what any of you give. It isn't that I don't have permission to go and see. It's that I just don't think about money. Like that's not what I'm focused on. I am focused on you and your spiritual growth. And so you may be one of the most generous people here and I may not even know it. I may think you're super heavily involved and invested here and you're not giving a dime. But before you think I'm trying to blame you for this, I want you to realize that I take the blame. Last fall, I was reading a book on leadership and one of the things that the book pointed out was that there are no bad teams, there are only bad leaders. That if you see a team that isn't healthy, that isn't accomplishing what it needs to do, it almost always falls on the leader. Which means that our shortfall is more on me than it is on you. Because it means that I have not communicated what needed to be communicated so that you could understand. And so my frustration is not with you. It's right here. You see, I hate talking about money. I shared this when we did our whole How to Give series last fall. I I was part of a church that talked about money way too much. And I feel like some churches, when they talk about it, they're trying to manipulate people. Because what I want is for you to follow Jesus. I haven't wanted to make it about Riverwood and wanting your money. But I think what I've done is I've overcorrected And I have made it about, okay, so give, but give to other ministries, give to other missionaries. And I think you should. Leanne and I do. We support a number of missionaries, some other ministries. But what I haven't done is helped you see the mission that God has called us to and how you can be a part of it. And so we find ourselves below budget. And so I need to correct that and invite you to support this ministry so that we can do what God's calling us to do. In just a little bit, I'm going to share some of the dreams and plans we have, and you're going to quickly realize that's going to take money. And so I just need to apologize. Sorry. I failed you as a leader in this. I thought I was doing something really nice and good, but basically I was afraid to confront you and say, here's what God has for you. And I got to change that. So I'm inviting you to increase your giving so that we don't have this conversation a year from now. Instead, we can talk about how much we were giving away. Which leads into what we have for 2022. Right now, as I've already shared, our partners are doing a vote. I have no idea what's going to come of this. I'll be honest, I will be surprised if the vote is no. For those of you who aren't Riverwood partners, the way the numbers look, it makes smart sense for us to actually purchase the building. It it reduces the cost in a number of areas. However, if God speaks through our partners and they say no, I'm actually okay with that because I believe that is God speaking to us and God has a better plan in mind. Now, we've put a lot of work into this place. And so I really don't want to just up and abandon it, but I trust God enough that if he's saying, okay, we've used this for this time, I now have something better, we'll go for it. Even, and some of you are not going to like me saying this, even if it means we have to go back to set up and tear down. 
I told you you wouldn't want to hear it. But if it is going to take setup and teardown to help people meet Jesus, I will get up at insane o'clock and set up dang folding chairs so that they would find him and follow him. It is not about our comfort. It's about Jesus. I would love to worship him in comfort. But if he calls us to something different, I'm going to pick up my feet and I'm going to let him take us. So, I have no idea. We may be purchasing this building. We may not. Either way, there's financial ramifications upon us. Also, we put into the budget to hire an administrative assistant. It's a step of faith. We were able to get rid of some costs, reduce some other things, and add in 10 hours per week. But it is going to take a slight increase in our budget. And that was hard, knowing we weren't going to meet this year. You guys, I need the help. Leanne used to do so much and still is doing so much. And yet she's been working full time now for the last four years and can't do everything that she wants to. And it has been hard on her. And so I've taken a bunch on and I suck at it. This is not my wheelhouse. Like I do it well enough that you don't notice, but it drains me and it takes me way longer than it would with someone who actually knows how to do it and do it well. So I want you to know, as you see in the announcements this week, that Minette Erickson has agreed to take on that position. She starts this Tuesday. Yes, this is a big applause. Pray for her because she's going to get stuck working with me. Uh, But she's also Riverwood's administrative assistant, not just mine. Because a lot of what I've been doing isn't just for my schedule. It's it's for us as a church. And so she's going to just over time, over the next few months, be taking more of that on. And she will be a huge asset because... When, she, when we talk about it, she gets excited. I think she's weird. Why would anyone get excited about that stuff? And yet she looks at me and goes, come on, Aaron. Why wouldn't you get excited about this? She's perfect for the role. And I'm excited uh, that she's going to be, be uh, joining the team. But there's another cost. Uh, also, this year we are going to begin to support an overseas missionary. It means we've had to increase our giving yet again. This was my goal to begin that three years ago. I wanted by year four for us to begin to support an overseas missionary. I want to see our giving dollars as a church follow an Acts 1-8 model. I want to see us giving to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth. We are giving into our Jerusalem, Waverly, first by just being here, but also we give into the Waverly Benevolence Fund, and we are one of the largest contributors into that fund. We are also beginning to give to our Judea, a surrounding area. This past year, we began to give to Fellowship of Christian Athletes of Northeast Iowa. We are supporting them because they're able to help reach into colleges and high schools and middle schools that we can't reach from where we're at. So we are beginning to support them. We also are supporting a Samaria by supporting Patrick Ray in the planting of Northside Neighborhood Church in North Minneapolis. They are reaching a totally different people group than us. They're also far enough away, we would never be able to reach them, but they're close enough that we can go and support him. Patrick's going to be here in March to preach and give us an update. We have a phenomenal relationship, and so we are a, it is a joy to support him at $5,000 per year. We're one of his largest contributors. And here we are, a small church. But we have not been giving overseas yet and we believe that this message about the river needs to go to the ends of the earth 
And so I finally threw a little hissy fit and was like, I want to support a missionary. <laughs> and we got it in. And so we started a missions decisions team this past fall. They worked to the side who is Riverwood? Like, what do we value? And therefore, what kind of a missionary should we look at? Because there's so many missionaries doing so many great things, but we didn't want to just throw some money at someone. We wanted a partnership. We want to financially support them, but also someone whose heart resonates with us so that when we pray for them, kind of like when we pray for Patrick Ray, there's just this affinity. We want them when they're stateside to be able to come here and, and, and preach to us and share their story and for us to be like, yes, I'm so excited to be a part of that. And so... Two weeks, the past two weeks, we have interviewed two different missionaries. We are getting together next Sunday as a, a decisions team to decide, do we support just one? Do we support both? If we support both, how do we divvy up the funds? We have 2% of our budget set aside to give to them. We want to do this. But to do this, it means we have to get, increase our giving together as a church so that we can support people, no matter who God calls us to support. Another area. This one's going to stretch us if this is going to happen. This one's really going to take faith. And that is we want to bring Jake on full time. Jake has been such a gift to us, as you see almost every single Sunday. But he also has some gifts in, in, in that that you don't get to see that would benefit us as a church and help us go deeper. There are things about him that will help us in accomplishing the mission and frankly, I could use the help. He would be such an asset. But right now, he's giving about 48 hours a week to FedEx when his heart wants to be here. I don't know if we can make this happen. But we're going to see what we can. We'll have conversations probably beginning in about October, I mean, August, September, October as we start into the budget cycle. We're going to have to see how was our giving this last year. And if it looks like we might be able to make it work, Hopefully January 2023, Jake will be here full time. Maybe we won't get there. It's going to take God really moving us though. But also, this is all in 2022, 2023. I want you to realize that I still have dreams of seeing us do what many people would say would be the impossible. I want to see us plant another church. It has been so exciting to watch God create this to see some people find him seeing people follow him seeing people go deeper being baptized and i want to see this happen elsewhere as well i would have so much joy in seeing god bring us someone that we get the joy of watching raise up be a part of us and then we send them out with a dozen of you whether it's clarksville or janesville or charles city or, or atumwa iowa i don't know where all i know is i want to be a part of it from year one, we've been putting aside money for church planting. As some of you know, we are part of Converge. When we give to Converge, we don't just give to Converge generally. We intentionally give to them for church planting. So we are helping plant churches all around Minnesota and Iowa. Also, when we started, Leanne and I had no mechanism. We weren't part of Converge or anyone else yet. So we had to start our own nonprofit. It's called the River Tree Project. So we've been giving, what, like 1%, 2%? into the river tree project since year one so we have some money set aside and we will continue to but i'm tired of just putting money aside for church planning i want to now have people i want us to do this i'm hoping that sometime in the next three four five years we get the joy of helping plant another church 
because it's going to do something for us and helping us go deeper and walking by faith, and we're going to end up helping another community because God has called us to this. So I'm going to end with this. Uh, As I told you, the elders have been uh, studying different passages on the church. The uh, very first passage we studied here in 2022 was uh, from 1 Peter chapter 2. We looked at verses uh, 4 all the way through verse 10, but I just want to read you the first two verses. As you come to him, the him being Jesus, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Christ. The rest of the passage goes on to quote from the Old Testament about a cornerstone. Back in ancient days when they would build buildings, they needed a cornerstone. It had to be the right size, the right angle, have the right integrity, and they built and angled everything off of it. If your cornerstone was bad, the building would be bad. Jesus is to be the cornerstone of the church, which means he's to be the cornerstone of Riverwood. That just as Ezekiel 47 is all about that river, we are going to be all about Jesus. And we're trying to build everything off of him. You guys are the living stones that passage talks about. We want to see you built up so that we are a place where people can come and find Jesus and follow him. A place where they're invited into the river. A place where they're invited to go deeper. That's why I don't matter all that much in this. It's us together. Because we are the house that God is building. But that means we have to notice, yeah, this stone is not quite what it could be yet. But God, being who he is, can work in us, helping each and every one of us develop the spiritual disciplines that we need to get us tied to one another into growth groups or accountability one-on-one, to get us to a place where we're serving, giving of our fist, and where we're in over our heads, where we're picking up our feet and letting him take us. I want to invite you on this journey with me. In other words, I hope you get a spiritual tattoo. I hope Ezekiel 47 is stamped upon you. And you sense God saying, I love you. I want to take you deep. I've got a great journey for you. Just pick up your feet and let me take you. And my prayer is that one day we will have the kind of experience here at Riverwood where we're telling our grandkids Man, do you know what happened back in the early 2020s? God did an amazing thing. And it all began because we, his people, humbled ourselves, picked up our feet, and let him build us into the spiritual house so that his name was known. That's where I want to go. That's where I want to go with you. So will you journey there with me? So Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would accomplish what you need to in us so you can also then accomplish through us what you've always dreamed. God, I have been reminded this week that this mission, this vision is yours. This is not even really unique for Riverwood. This is your mission for your church. But God, thank you so much that even though we are not unique in this, you have invited us to be a part of it. That we're, we're a part of the, the bigger picture of the puzzle. God, we want to be that piece that fits in just the right spot. 
Lord, there are people out there who need to know that your life-giving river is flowing right there and you're inviting them in. We want to be a part of watching them step into that river. God, we sense the current calling us deeper, but also beckoning others to go deeper. So God, make us the place, the space, the, the people, the church that accomplishes that. So God, I pray that you would make this vision, which isn't my vision, it's yours. Would you make this real in all of our hearts that collectively together we are after this? Because God, you matter. God, I just want to say thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the ways that I fall short and you cover the gap. Thank you that despite my desire to just retreat at times, you have kept this thing going. So God, that is why we just place ourselves, we place Riverwood in your hands. Would you do in 2022 what you need to do, what only you can do, so that at the end of it, so the next year as we have a Vision Sunday, we can look back and go, whoa, look at what God did. So God, we dedicate ourselves, we give ourselves to you, to your gospel, to this mission of inviting the spiritually disconnected to find and follow Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. So in a sense, a dedication, we're going to open up the communion tables. We're going to invite you to come to take the bread, which is the body of Jesus, the river, to drink the juice from that cup, the blood of the one who gave his life for us, who crashed into the sin-stained world to bring life and to bring it abundantly. If you're not feeling like you're living the abundant life right now, okay because God loves you and he wants you and may you eat and may you drink reminded of his love and that he is still at work then also as part of this dedication our mission is to help those who don't know this story so while I want you to continue to go deeper is there someone God is putting on your heart Maybe it's someone who has church background, but they, they've kind of wandered away. Someone who, who just has allowed themselves to retreat to their Netflix. And you're going to be the one to help call them to something greater. Maybe it's your neighbor, co-worker, extended family member, someone who lives on your floor, someone that you sit by at the lunch table. Who's that person that you're to be that blessing to? Because they're part of the mission. Not a project. They're a person who matters deeply to God. And so as I invite you to the communion table, I want you to realize Jesus gave his life for you. So now will you pick up your feet and would you go to them, letting God do in them what he's done in you. So let us do this now in remembrance of him.